Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hooligan Report. I'm your host as always, SM, and joining me today we have Boyan. Hi guys. Uh, and we also have Kroif. Good morning. Uh, and we'll probably start with you, Kroif, because your namesake um, sadly passed away overnight. We received the news last night. Um, and so I wanted to get both of your thoughts on his career and his impact on football, because um, personally, I never watched him play, but, but I think everyone knows his name because of just the fact that we have the Cruyff turn. Um, and when you're a player who's good enough to actually have a manoeuvre in football named after you, it, it really says a lot about your standing in the game. So I'll start with you, Cruyff, and, and your thoughts on his career and, and his impact on football. I mean, if you look at what he did as a player alone, it's enough to drop your jaw out. But to do it again as a coach really says something else. And I mean, he, as I said in my post in the thread, he's, uh, he won three European Champion Cups in a row with Ajax. Then he went to Barcelona where they were second last, won them the league from there. They didn't lose a game once he played, won them the league. Um, he with, with, with Holland, part of the total football, got them to the World Cup final along with the help of... Uh, other players in the team and Rhinus Mikkels and I mean then of course he retired and, and coached Barcelona to the first Champions Cup playing the way he thought football should be played and the way it was played under Rhinus Mikkels and really revolutionised Barcelona to how they are today and I think uh, without Cruyff there wouldn't be Messi, Xavi, Iniesta that sort of thing and I mean no Guardiola either and I think Guardiola would have had uh, looked at Cruyff for a, a big inspiration in, in how he sets his teams up and the way he plays football. And I, it's just a, a massive loss to the football world with a, with another legend passing. Definitely an all-time uh, top five player, in my opinion, the, the most intelligent player ever. And I, I don't think anyone would would uh, really disagree with with those comments. And I think you mentioned Guardiola, and I think it was Guardiola who said that Cruyff basically built Barcelona and that every manager who has been there since has just sort of redecorated or, or renovated uh, yeah. what he did so he had a huge impact on that club he built the cathedral and it's up That's to the it, others yeah. to yeah. Uh, renovate it yeah. but I mean for, for, uh, he had so much influence on the way football was played in general and it's obviously the way it's played now particularly at Barcelona and and it just uh, a testament to the sort of footballer he was to, to, to be so influential I think and and I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm still in a bit of shock to be honest. It's quite sad. It was quite sad waking up to that news and and, and hearing that another football legend has uh, left us. Uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts? Uh, just the biggest compliment I can give Brian Cross is that um, his impact being felt in world football, uh, you know, 30, 35, 40 years after he's retired, and now and obviously passed on. Um, and one thing that I've always liked about him and, and the football that clubs he's impacted that, um, has played is that, that he's always prioritised the style of football and the way football is played ahead of the end result. He'd rather play beautiful football and draw or lose than play turgid defensive football and, and win 1-0. And I think that, that is... Um, Important and the fans of the clubs that, that he's been at previously um, demand that. So, fantastic player. I think he won three Ballon d'Ors as well. Correct. If, I, if I'm not if I'm not um, mistaken, and they don't give those out um, too easily. 
Back to back to back. Yeah. I do with that. A honest, elegant, beautiful footballer. That's really all I can say. Um, I, think I, saw, I think I saw a quote from him um, where he suggested that he was in a match where they were winning 4-0 and instead of trying to score a goal, he tried to hit the crossbar because he thought that would be more entertaining for the fans. <laughs> it was, he, had this, he had a very arrogant flair about him and I guess that quote sort of sort of says that, but I mean, I, I, I saw an interview, I would have been 10, 15 years ago when I was a teenager, that his brain thought too fast for what he wanted to do with his feet, and he often had a lot of trouble dealing with that, but I mean, you can see how intelligent he was off the ball and seeing things that a normal player wouldn't see and, and, and the things he could do, I mean, there's a phantom goal he scores for Barcelona, I don't know if you guys have seen it, where it's crossed in at the far post and he leaps probably three or four feet in the air and... And, and guides in with the outside of his foot. It's it's quite incredible, really. He went, he went back to Ajax about two or three years, two or three years ago. Brought in, um, I think it was Philip Koku, Mark Over Mars, and Edwin Van der Sar, basically to take over the um, running of the club. And he was there in like a consultancy slash director of football role. And he he was there for a couple of years. And ever since then, the Ajax Academy has just been reeling off talent. Unbelievable talent coming through. They haven't been able to keep a hold of a lot of it. Well, a lot of it's been post playing with European clubs. But, um, you know, his impact is still being felt at Ajax today. Yeah. So our thoughts are with uh, the Crow family, and it's obviously a huge loss for the, the broader footballing community. Um, but we will move on now to, to slightly brighter topics, and we'll talk about the uh, round of football fixtures that we had last weekend um, and obviously we've had an international break uh, this weekend so we'll be previewing the fixtures after we, from after the international break um, but we'll start with Leicester's win over Crystal Palace just because uh, the Leicester train just keeps chugging on um, and it's just simply incredible and and it was their two main men involved in the goal Mares and Vardy um, so what were your thoughts on the games uh, Boyan? Yeah, well, I thought um, Palace are pretty stiff, to be honest. Um, and they've been playing some really turgid stuff recently, but they came out against Leicester and, and really tried to win the game. They were pr- pretty unlucky, but at the same time, they didn't take their chances. And I think it's fair to say that Leicester took theirs, so they deserve, it, they deserve the point. Well, right. I mean, yeah, as you said, the, the Leicester trend keeps keeps uh, chugging on, so it's, it's, it will be hard to stop them. And I mean, I'll quite gladly wear the egg on my face where I said they'd drop off. But I mean, as Palace Palace are just a shadow of the form themselves of what they started on the par doing. I think question mark thinks he's put over his head um, if, if they stop uh, if they keep getting the results they're getting or not getting the results rather. So they they remain the only side in the top four tiers who are yet to win in 2016. So. Um, we raised it on the podcast, I think, one or two podcasts ago about the possibility of getting sucked into that relegation battle. Um, I, th- I think that's quite a damning stat if they're the only team in um, the top four tiers of football to not win this year. It's, that's, that's a big indictment on Paju and, and something that needs to be looked at thoroughly, I think. Um, so do we see them getting sucked into the relegation battle? I don't think they're as bad as the teams below them. and that actually have quality players. It's just that, th- whether it's injuries or whatever, luck, things like that, 
Um, I don't think they have they're that bad when you flute. You look at your Aston Villas and, and your Sunderland sort of thing. And Bayern? I think they've got a really tough... I think they have a really tough run to close, close the season out. But uh, I think they'll be able to just accumulate enough points to stay safe. And not that I want, not that I'm intending to segue onto it, but watching the uh, Tyneweir derby, there's not a lot of quality there. So I don't think they'll be under too much pressure from, from below. Um, we'll we'll touch on uh, that Tyneweir derby in a bit, but we'll go to the Arsenal Everton game now, Cruyff. And we discussed this. Um, I think it was last week with you on the podcast or else it was on the board with you suggesting that it was going to be very tough for you you guys to get the win against Everton. Um, and you you did it relatively comfortably in the end with um, Welbeck and, and Awobi scoring. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised and, and, and gladly wrong. So, I mean, I it, it, was, it was nice to see us actually stand up and put in a performance that we are actually capable of and, and, and not bend over and just be bullied by particularly a bigger forward in the shape of Lukaku. Um, I thought we played very well. Uh, though Everton were quite poor, which which I, I don't think anyone would disagree with either. And But, um, I, I mean, if, if you look at the way Welbeck's goal was taken, the setup to that was absolutely beautiful. Not much running off the ball and good one-touch play. And, and Iwobi's ball to... Oh, Bellerin's ball to Iwobi. So if he was more, he was caught out. It, 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 he did take his goal quite well for such a young guy. That was only your third away win in your last 10 games. So I think uh, if you are to uh, pick up your form, that's where you're sort of struggling at the moment. Um, would you say that the, the title race is out of, your, out of your grasp? Yes. I think we'd have a 0.001% chance <laughs> of, of winning from here. I, I, I think it's next. It'll be Leicester or Spurs. I think Spurs are in with a with a mighty great shout. I think it would be very foolish to write them off. Um, and then now, what were your thoughts on the game? First of all, Boyan. I thought I was very impressed by Danny Welbeck's performance, um, and most I just I was impressed by his movement off the ball, which was uh, fantastic, and the run he made. He made. Flores was beautiful uh, in between the centre halves behind the defence, and I was very impressed with El Nene and Coughlin as a partnership. I, I personally didn't didn't think it would work, and thought it would be very unvendor like to do it, but they just shut down Stag- everything stagnant, completely. I guess. And, and Barkley didn't get near it, and got the job done, and really looked troubled. So it was a, a quite impressive and and uh, mature performance. Just just on Welbeck, I think that even though he does waste a lot of chances, he is a sort of guy that never gives up and he has that winning mentality, which Bayern did mention um, a while back on the board, that he, he's, he's Fergus, that mentality from Ferguson where never give up, play to win, always put your all. And, and I think we need more players like that. We, we need players with his mentality and, and his drive and, and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. Um. I know you're probably buzzing to talk about it, so we'll, we'll talk about the uh, Manchester derby now. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and Marcus Rashford is just living the dream at the moment because he's now also the youngest player to ever score in a Manchester derby in the Premier League. Um, how, oh, gee. How, uh, how, what were your thoughts on the game? Five goals in eight games. He is on fire. And, is he? Um, will, will can you imagine Euro going, in, going in? 
It's Roy Hodgson, who knows? If it was Sven, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. But I, I'm, but, I, 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 think uh, I, I don't think it's that un, unfair of a call, really. I mean, he's... Oh, I think it is. Tight, beside, well, who, who did, Kane, Kane, Vardy, who else do they take? So Walcott Kane, will Vardy, go, but he shouldn't. Sturridge. Well, Welbeck, probably. Oh, Sturridge, yeah. Welbeck, yeah. I guess maybe it is a bit bit premature but I mean the way he's going if he keeps his stuff he can, he can be a stalwart in the English team for years to come I mean un- unfortunately Argentina aren't in Europe so he can't just play on Demichelis every week but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah but can you imagine going to stall on Monday after that after destroying <laughs> the Manchester Derby as an 18 year old unbelievable but, uh, but beautifully ta- beautifully taken goal Mata didn't, um, you know, he, he got an assist for it, but really he just played it into Rashford's feet and Rashford did all the work for it and he just ran tirelessly all game. Morden Schneiderlin was superb. Um, Chris Smalling as well was a, a rock um, against Aguero. Really didn't give Aguero too much, uh, too much space. And uh, his usual self, and a bit of a cheeky throwback performance by Michael Carrick, his best game for quite some time. He hasn't been offered a new contract yet. They're waiting to see if Mourinho w- wants to keep him or not. So that'll be an interesting decision. And uh, although it's not strictly tied to this game, um, Bastian Schweinsteiger is torn as MCL, so he's out for the season. So yeah, we're going to be pretty light on. From here, from here on out, I think. Yeah, we're not sure if he's going to miss the Euros or not. In terms of um, Man City, slide it all up. Well, I kind of, I wrote them off before they beat Villa. Not, not in that game, but just not kind of trying or caring. And I kind of stand by that. Like that, nothing I've seen has changed. There's a few guys in there that, that care, um, but there's a lot of guys that are just picking up the paycheck and, and not doing too much work. Oh, and also in that in in the derby, how Michael Oliver, that absolute bottler that goes to water every game, didn't give a penalty against Demi Taylor's oh, taking yeah, out Rashford yeah, yeah. was un- unbelievable. Yeah. He bottles just, it, like he bottles everybody well, decision every game. Just just on Marcus Rashford, where if if you were to compare him to a a, a, a a level of player today, where do you think he'd rate in taking ten years? He's what seventeen now? Uh, he's eighteen and a hundred days or something. Okay, so let's say when he's twenty five, twenty six, who would you compare what level of player today would you compare him with if you think he reaches his potential? Well, player, well I don't I'll, I can compare him to kind of past players he reminds me of. Um, yeah. <laughs> well not so much rem- just he, so he much reminds not me that he reminds me of but just he reminds me a little just bit the of level Sturridge, you think you get to. He reminds me a little bit of Sturridge with the way he plays, with that pace and skill. Nah. Really? I, I reckon he's more a, a combination of a young Michael Owen. And with do, do a sprinkling of the, a sprinkling of Patrick Clivert. Do you think he'd get to the level of Owen? That's what I sort of mean. Not as in who we remind oh, okay. you. What can sort of level do you think he will get to of a player that's playing today, sort of thing? Um, well, one thing he's not going for him is that he's he's hardworking and is known to be very shut and humble. So I think mm. he will be able to, given the right, 
Hopefully, Jose keeps him around. Um, <laughs> you know, given the right environment, I think he can. I think he can mature um, into a a very high quality forward, perhaps at the level at a similar level to. I expect him to be at Anthony Marshall's level if everything goes right mm. in about two years' time. Yeah, put it that way. But yeah. he's really come come out of nowhere. It's kind of a similar situation with um, your boys and Iwobi. Sometimes you've got to throw mm. these guys with, with, with bags of potential who aren't refined. They're rough diamonds in a lot of cases. You've got to throw them in the deep end and see if they can handle it. And the ones yeah. that, that, uh, that, that sink you get rid of and the ones that swim, they can be 10-year players for you. And Definitely. that's really the, the difference at the moment between... I was quite surprised that Iwobi started against Everton because he looked quite underwhelming in the cup because I think he played both games against Hull. But I think he was good against Barca, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was. I think that's what got him the, the, the start and the, sort of the bait. Well, we'll just uh, on, on Man City's poor form that you were mentioning before, Bayern, they've now lost as many home games this season as their previous four combined. So uh, they are in quite some rut at the moment. I, th- I think with, with City, they shouldn't have announced the Guardiola thing because, I mean, who, what are they playing for this season? What's Pellegrini got to play for? Nothing. He's not going to be there. I mean, unless he wants to go out with some pride and his head held high. Um, but aside from that, what does he have to play for? He's not going to see any work he does from oh, whenever, the, whenever Guardiola was announced to... Next season, you're not going to see any of that come to fruition. So it's sort of like a, why, why am I even bothering? Well, one scenario that got suggested to me, which I thought was quite interesting, was what happens if Man City play Bayern Munich in the uh, Champions League final? <laughs> would, would Guardiola potentially tank the game to ensure himself uh, Champions League football next season? It would be a very interesting matchup. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he would, but I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be very it's, interesting. It'd be a quite, an inter, an interesting uh, question, though. A very, a very interesting. What question. I what I find really interesting is that Man City tried very hard in that League Cup final. They're trying very hard in the Champions League, and they're not trying at all in the Premier League. They I find that yeah. very kind of you know. So I, I don't I don't think we'll that we'll, we'll get to that um, that Champions League. Uh, <laughs> final between Bayern um, yeah. and and City. In fact, I don't think either of them um, will get there. But I would, should also add that um, no one's really mentioned the possibility that Guardiola may not work in England. Like it, it might not work out for him. Yet. I, th- I, th- I think he's too good. I'll tell you what, this not was. To succeed. Hear me well, out, mate. He stays everywhere for three years. All the top coaches only stay in one place for three years. The, the, you know, the, the, there aren't any more Vendor Ferguson types um, out there. And he's going to need... I mean, as much as they've got quality in that side, in that squad, there's a lot of... He's going to need about... To get a proper... Play his football, you're talking about five to seven first-team players need to change. Well... To, to play Guardiola football. I think he has... If he say he let's say he signs Isco, Pogba, and um, let's say Laporte for instance, just those three names as an example, the players City have are still very good. When you look at Silva, De Bruyne, Aguero, Nasri to an extent, 
Navas can play when he wants to. I mean, it's Fernando's not Navas not won't be there, mate. I, It was just an example. Fernando but, won't mean, be there. And Fernandinho's not a poor player, but I mean, he does have good players there currently. It's whether he can get them to play with him, which I think he he will, because you'd be stupid not to want to play Pep if it will work or not. Mm, I I. I... Have my doubts due to the the age the age of that squad. It's a very old squad. I think I'm pretty sure it's the oldest by far in the league. It's got over half their team on the weekend. So yeah, in the derby we're kind of yeah twenty nine thirty or over. I mean you know two rows two rows not there. You probably need two new fullbacks. It's looking like they're going to sell Mandala. So you got a new centre half brought in. I mean, I, I I think it's going to be. I'd be surprised if they blitz the league after replacing six first team members of the squad and playing a new system. I think I actually think, unfortunately, the jump from a team next year is probably going to come from Liverpool after a preseason under Klopp more than it's going to come from Guardiola. But clearly, in like his second, third season, I can see success for Man City. I was going to suggest, I mean, the, the idea that Guardiola wouldn't succeed in England or wouldn't hit the ground running is one that we've already sort of seen this season because Klopp was appointed by Liverpool and I think there was a lot a, a lot of people who, who thought that he'd kind of hit the ground running and get that side playing quite well quite quickly, which of course is quite difficult to do when you're playing a completely different style of football and required, require a different sort of player. So um, I do completely agree with that point that... Um, Guardiola might take some time to settle in for City. Um, there was one final game to touch on, which was the other derby of that night, which was the Newcastle-Sunderland derby, and it was a game that neither side could really afford to lose, and in the end, neither of them did lose, but it, it really doesn't help either side to draw that game, especially with Norwich having won against uh, West Brom earlier. So... With Norwich sort of starting to pick up a few points, is this almost suggesting that both Sunderland and Newcastle could go down, um, Cruyff? I'd love Sunderland to go down. There's <laughs> nothing clubs. And I think a lot of people on the board share that share that point of view. How many, and they've, they've survived relegation, what, three or four years in a row now where they've yeah. been in the relegation and just gone on a run. I mean, I think two or three years ago, they beat us, they beat City, they beat United, and I think they beat Liverpool as well, all in a row in a space of five or six games. And <laughs> you think, you think, what, did, what what needs to happen for, for someone to be relegated? But the time might actually be up now, good riddance. But um, I think Newcastle under Rafa, if he'd come in, say, January, they'd be in with a bigger chance. Now I think time's actually very tough for them. They might grind out a few wins, which could be important, but the odds are stacked against them. They could both fall. I mean, that with Robbie Brady starting to bang them in, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Newcastle and someone could both go down. Well, one thing I found interesting about about this game, the Tomway Derby, was I remember for a long time when he was at Liverpool, Benitez had a problem defensively at set pieces and dealing with crosses. Because he went to a full zone, he wouldn't. He refused to uh, for his defenders to man up players, and Sunderland were just pumping in the box and were having an absolute field day. So Benitez continues. He's obviously brought in. Well, how much? Actually, to be fair, I can't tell if Newcastle's defenders are just <laughs> that terrible, or uh, he's gone to a zone straight away that <laughs> they were getting absolutely um, abused, and it was only really in the 
second half Newcastle that came into the game and um, what a, it was a great finish by Mitrovic. Great finish. I, I would like Newcastle to, to stay up. It was a well-created goal. By, was it Vinaldum who made that run? Yeah. Yeah. yeah He'll be a player yeah, that... I think if, it was... If they uh, go. Um, so it was a, a fantastic, fantastic goal and um, I hope Newcastle can stay up. But I am starting to feel like it's going to be Newcastle and Sunderland go down together, which will mean that a lot of these players that have actually shown something since Benitez has got there will get poached and, you know, who knows where Newcastle go from here if, if, if they go down. It's going to be very interesting in the championship next season if Newcastle and Sunderland go down because you'll have the Tyneware derby in the championship and you'll have Villa with um, their Birmingham derby. Um, as well, so I think there'd be some very big derbies in the second tier, which would be quite um, amazing to watch. Um, sorry, yeah, Croif. I was just going to say, if Newcastle do go down, I think quite a few clubs will all over Vinaldum. Oh, I think I think it's West Ham that's been linked to him as a replacement for Victor Moses. And I think that'd be a fantastic signing for both player and club. Um, so we'll we'll move on now and chat about the next set of fixtures, where there are some. Um, interesting games with a bit of repercussion at both ends of the table. Um, the early game has Chelsea up against Aston Villa, and I think, obviously, Chelsea will 99% chance that they'll win that game, and I think that would basically mean that Villa have been mathematically relegated. Um, if Norwich can pick up a point against uh, Newcastle, or even get the win, um, I think that would basically mathematically relegate Villa. So... Um, we're starting to get to that point of the season where, where sides are starting to run out of, run out of time. Um, what went wrong at Villa? I want, I, I just just in, in a few words, what, what do you guys think went wrong with Villa and, and, and how have they gotten to the point that they're at? Um, I'll start with you, Croif. I can, I can just give you two words, Randy Lerner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's the issue with that club, the chairman. Randy Lerner, I think it all stems from him. Like Mike Ashley at Newcastle, if both clubs had better chairmen, because there is no chance they would be in the position they are both in today. And I mean, who was? Oh, I don't know. Lambert was never a good was never a good coach and should have been sacked much sooner than what he was. But even Guard, Remy Guard, I think came out and said there's there's not enough money available to strengthen the squad and, and things like that. And I, I don't think they've helped themselves in the transfer market at all. In terms of who the, who they've signed and and, and things like that, so it, to me, it's the chairman, the the salt. He's the main um, culprit in all of this. In a few words, they sold their star striker and their club captain. They didn't really have an identity to begin with, and they lost it after that. In fairness to them, did they have much choice? Because I think Benteke had the release clause, and I think Delph. Basically, I don't think that was a club decision to sell Delph. Release clauses don't matter. Just ask Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that yeah. you know they had a choice or didn't have a choice, but any club that sells their club captain and their star striker, and then you know you're saying they have a choice, but don't adequately replace them with a striker or club captain of equal value. He's doing a struggle, and they were struggling last year as well. Yeah. I think that's the issue as well. I mean, if you get £32 million for Benteke, surely you spend that wisely 
and, and strengthen the squad in, in a few places where it needs strengthening. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know who they bought. I can't remember. They've, but they've brought in, they've brought in Jordan Ayew, who I think looked okay for them. Oh, he, he's, but he's done all right. Yeah, you yeah. Doing that. But, I mean, but less, million guys pounds, like less and stuff, yeah. You see, that's a silly signing, I think. Stop Sinclair, was it? Sinclair, <laughs> yeah. He looked okay for a patch at the start of the season. Um, Sinclair. Um, that's what he does, mate. Yeah. He looks okay from time to time, and outside of that, he does nothing. And Richards as well hasn't been great. And I can't believe Richards is their captain, which is, I guess, goes to your point, um, Bojan, about uh, not adequately replacing the captain. Um, which is going to be sad, because... because because, I mean, Villa Villa have been a mainstay of the Premier League, so they're one of those bigger clubs. And, and you just look at where they were five, six years ago when they had uh, Gareth Barry, Milner, um, Agbon Lahore, Ashley Young, all, all in their prime. And they were quite an impressive side under Martin O'Neill. Yeah, they were good under O'Neill. And then I think he had an argument, again, with Luna, and he yeah. said, all right, I'm, I'm going. And then look where they are today. Yeah. So, well, I guess we'll assume that Chelsea will win that one. So, I'll, I'll move on to the next game, which is Arsenal up against Watford. Um, you probably... It's probably a, a game that you really do need to win, even if the title race is out of your reach, just to sort of shore up that uh, top four spot, growth. So, how do you see this one? I think at home, it puts us in um, the driving position. And if I, I be starts again, he's, and, and, and I'd definitely be playing well back up top. Um, providing he's not injured in the international break, uh, I, I think his movement off the ball will cause Watford problems. And if, if we play to the level we're capable of, I, I don't see why we wouldn't walk away with three points. But at the same time, Watford have Dini and Igalo who might cause us problems at the back. So um, that, they, 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 they obviously need a chance, but I, I think we'll, we'll go away with the three points. I'd give Watford a small, a small chance, but... Um... I'm fairly confident Arsenal will get the win. Idalo's looked, I've mentioned it before, I think he must have like a 15 or 20 goal bonus structure there where he gets like 5 or 10 million or something because he he had that beautiful partnership with Dini at the start of the year, all that interplay. Now it's very much one way. As soon as Idalo gets near the goal, he's very hungry at the moment. Um, and that's kind of led to a bit of a drop-off in form from them, actually. So hopefully that's not the case and it doesn't continue. But uh, regardless, if, if Arsenal play with Totala and Elneny um, in midfield again, I think they'll be too solid for Watford that, now. That, Get the job done too, one. That, that's definitely our best midfield pairing, I think, them two. Yeah, I think Arsenal will be too strong for Watford in this one. I think Watford as well don't really have a whole lot to play for now. They've kind of secured safety and there's not a whole lot of ambition to push on beyond that. So I think um, their, their, their season objective has pretty much been fulfilled already. All credit to them, though. I mean, I think a lot of people had them being relegated. And, yep. and to, to, to where they are and how, how they, I think they've played, they've played entertaining football over the course of the season for the most part. And all credit to them to, to where they are today and, and, and not being uh, dragged into a relegation dogfight. Another side that, that credit has to go to for um, kind of pulling above the relegation dogfight is Bournemouth, who I think a lot had written off as, as 20th for the season because of their stature as a club and the, and the sort of players that they had running out for them. But they've also been very, very impressive and they, they're on 38 points, so they're actually above sides like Watford, Swansea and Palace. Uh, who all were seen as, as 
better prospects for the season. So it's a, it's a commendable job from Bournemouth as well. Um, and they have a home game against Man City. Now, that in some respects might be seen as, as a one-way traffic sort of game with Man City, but with the form that Man City's been in, it, it really could be a game that Bournemouth could actually end up winning. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts, Bojan? Mate, I think, I think there's an upset on the cards. What a City to win? No, I, I, I uh, generally think that uh, Man City are susceptible down the flanks. Um, I'm not convinced that Otamendi will, will be back to partner Manjawa, and even so, it's not like they've been doing anything but stink it up all season long anyway, um, despite their reputations. And I think that Bournemouth, you know, they showed that um, endeavour to attack down the flanks, and they're very direct. And one thing they have got... Similar to Marcus Rashford, they've got Josh King, and he is lightning quick. And I think he'll be causing tr- trouble for for, for their defence. Um, but with Aguero on the other side, I think I might go for a score draw, 1-1. And Josh King, obviously an old uh, United player as well, so they're uh, cropping up everywhere, really. Um, Croft, what are your thoughts? Look, the way, the way City are going... I wouldn't be surprised if Bournemouth took the three points. In, in all honesty, I don't think that's an, an unrealistic possibility. Yeah, I think it's a hard one to call. Because but City, it's okay, okay, but but sorry, that's but right. at the same time, City do have the quality to sort of put Bournemouth to the sword. But I guess Bournemouth have that work ethic and and, and drive to win, whereas City. They have the talented players, but the talented players don't really want to work that hard all that often, which which obviously is working against them this season. But um, it, I, 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 yeah, as I said, I, I, I wouldn't um, be surprised if, if Bournemouth walked away with three points. Well, it's hard to it's hard to sort of uh, think of tipping Bournemouth, but then you consider that City last went away to Norwich and got a nil nil draw. So there is something in the uh, in the issues that they're having on the road and and. I could see a Bournemouth result here, and I think that they might actually get um, a draw, a, a score draw. I think I'm with Boyan on that one. In this one, maybe a two-two draw. Um, a big game for the bottom of the table is Norwich at home to Newcastle, and you would think that if Norwich can get a win in that one, uh, it really piles on the pressure for Sunderland and Newcastle to somehow pull out of that relegation battle. But it also really pulls Palace into it because if Norwich can get that win, they're only two points behind Palace. Um, Palace have a game in hand though. Yeah, that's true. I don't actually know who that game's against, so um, it'd be interesting to see what that would uh, mean for them. But um, do we see Norwich as getting the win in this one, or is this sort of the first game where Benitez can really look at for uh, getting his three points? Uh, Cruyff? Well, I don't think Norwich are pushovers at all. I mean, their table position might might say otherwise, but I think they'll be looking to take the game to Newcastle. They're at home. They're above Newcastle. They can go in with a bit of confidence and say, look, if we get a win here, it gives us a, a, a bit more safety. And, and I mean, it, there's no reason why they can't win. Oh, I can see um, uh, Newcastle getting a late winner here and winning 2-1, I think. Don't think, uh, don't think Robbie Brady? I said 2-1, mate. He'll do the score sheet. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> I'm just not sure they have enough, like, outside of him. I mean, he, he's a, Brady is a, is a solid player. Who occasionally does things at top level players, but um, but there's really not that much 
around him, and he's afforded a, a lot of freedom because he has that those occasional moments of high quality. But there's just not much there. So whilst just, they are reasonably solid defensively and in, in the midfield, I just don't think they've got enough going forward. And you know, it's, it's, this is Newcastle's time. This is Newcastle's time to do what they do, and Sunderland's time for that matter, just to pull it right out of the you know the inner spaces of, <laughs> of their rectums and uh, <laughs> pull out some jammy wins. So two one. It, just just on that, if, if Norwich do win that, they play Palace next week, which will be a huge six-pointer game. Well, there you go, yeah. That, that would be absolutely massive. Um, it does seem that sort of time of the season where, you know, a side like Norwich will be going to the Newcastle game just thinking, if we can get this three points, it really pulls us clear of that relegation zone. But the result never seems to go to plan, and it does seem the sort of game where, as a result, I think Newcastle might actually manage to, to snatch the win. Um Stoke at home to Swansea is a is a game that doesn't really hold much significance at either end of the table because I think Swansea are probably just clear of that relegation trouble now, uh, whereas Stoke really aren't aren't probably well enough placed to push for a top four or five position. Um, how have we rated Stoke's season? Have we seen that that as a success for them with the players that they've brought in, or is it more of a, a disappointment that they weren't able to push on more? Uh, where'd they finish last? Where'd they finish last season? Um, that's a good question. I think they might have uh, finished a bit lower than they are now, but I, th- and I, I do think that they're close to a record points tally for the season. Mm. Well, I, th- I think it, it, I think they they can be happy with their with their seasons. They've had some cracking games where they've played really good football, and I mean, look at the game against City; they absolutely tore them apart. So I think they can be happy with their season overall. I mean, they're, they're in eighth now with 46 points um, after playing 31 games, but Liverpool are on 44 with two games in hand, so they do have the potential to slip down a bit, but I mean, I don't, I don't think they can be disappointed with so their top-10 finish. They finished ninth last season with 50 points, so I guess that's their aim, well, really, to beat 50 points I, this year. I, well, they, they need nine games to get four points, which yeah. I think they will do, so... I mean, the, the, I think yeah, they'll they'll be happy. Oh, sorry. Um, I think they'll be happy. <laughs> they'll be happy with their season. I think, and and they showed they can play good football. And I mean, the Shakiri signing's been a great one. And for for a club of, of of their stature, with all due respect, to to get a player of his caliber in, um, says a lot about them compared to where they were, say, three or four years ago. Well, they've had a up and down season that have been quite inconsistent they've had their high points like those that game against Man City where they just tore them a new one completely but they've also had plenty of games which have been downers or they've been missed opportunities um, and maybe that's kind of due to Shakiri not really picking up form until about week 10 of, of the um, season so I think they've had a good season they've probably met expectations um, I think it's really exciting times um, there. That their owner is extraordinarily wealthy, clearly is quite comfortable, and especially with the new TV money coming in, to back Mark Hughes in the transfer market and actually ha- have a crack at players you wouldn't think Stoke would be capable of getting. If they can keep, you know, your Bojan Anatovic and um, Shakiri Trimbert going and add some more quality around well, them. You know, they, could be, uh, they could be 
West Ham. Oh, in Villa, I mean, they could be next year's West Ham potentially if they had the right players. The interesting thing as well I find with these sorts of clubs is potentially to take that next step in terms of consistency uh, and, and higher position as well. Not so much in terms of the quality of player to attract, but I wonder if they need that sort of core of players that really care about the club. Because I think the worry is with these sorts of clubs, and you see it happen with clubs like Fulham in the past, where they can, and Villa even now, where we've, we've just talked about the fact that when you sell your club captain and don't have, have someone to replace them, I think I'd almost put as a priority for Stoke is really developing on that academy and really getting that academy churning out some decent level, decent young players who could come through and provide quite a solid core for the side for the next five, ten years. Because I do think there will come a season, like Swansea have had this season, there will come a season where you will struggle and that's when you need players who will actually have a bit of graft and a bit of heart and character to pull you out of it. And so I, I wonder if that's something that these sorts of clubs need to consider um, getting into the side as well. Well, it'll be interesting what happens with uh, Jack Butler in, say, maybe a year or two, he has another season while he has this season. Yeah. If, if a bigger club will come calling and whatnot. But, I mean, he's another important player that I, I think we forgot to mention. Um, I mean, he, he he's sort of dropped off the second half of the season, but his first half was spectacular. Do we see him probably as, as the inevitable England number one after Joe Hart? Yes. Oh, yeah. By a streak. <laughs> I don't know why people are calling for Fraser Forster. He's not that good. Uh, it's definitely Butler and number two, debatably, some would say that he may already be number one. And um, the rumours have already started about potentially <clears throat> uh, De Gea going to Real Madrid. <laughs> and um, supposedly United will either buy Butland or Testagen to replace him if it does happen. Which I'm not, I'm not convinced it will. But if it does happen, yeah. Butland's on was, that on that short list. And there's not really... When was the uh, last time United had an England um, keeper? Like an, like a, Foster, an right, who we developed. Right, okay. Oh, but as in, as in your number one keeper, who was also England's number one? Probably going back to the Buzzy Bay as well with that right. one. Yeah, so I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought it would be too recent, so it would be quite interesting to see. No, no, it's been, it would have been quite some time. It's been quite some... Well, I don't think it's Alex an English Sep- pick. Uh, was Alex Stephanie? Stephanie was Irish, wasn't he? Yeah, Irish or Scottish. Yeah, mm. you're going back a while. Um, and really, can you blame United for not using yeah. English keepers? Yeah. <laughs> the ones you, the ones you've had since the bloody nineties has been great for the most part. So no, you can't. <laughs> um, Sunderland play West Brom at home, uh, and that's a bit, another big game, um, which will be interesting because it's on at the same time as the Norwich Newcastle game. So uh, it's almost a mini final day in some senses for those sides because uh, result. It's getting to that point of the season where results from other grounds start trickling into into the ground while you're playing your match and it can change the atmosphere of the game. Um, very important game for Sunderland to win, I would think. Do we do we see Sunderland getting the win here and pulling it out of that uh, inner space of their rectum? <laughs> <laughs> well, West Brom are what? They're, they're 11th. Yeah. And it's a stadium of light. I reckon it'll be a draw. Like crap, crappy, they'll, they'll, they'll be crappy defending. Ball will get just... Plotted in somehow, the finest way to the back of the net. Be a score draw. Um, I don't 
I don't think that Sunderland will have anywhere near as much joy from uh, crossing the ball at set pieces as they did against um, Newcastle. See who, who who was fantastic in that Newcastle game though. That uh, Kershaw. He's kind of he looks like a. He's like the size of a centre-half that he's playing in midfield, kind of like Reece Oxford um, earlier in the season. But um, I actually fancy that kind of... I, I, I fancy West Brom here um, in an upset 1-0 win. Maybe a bit of uh, Berahino magic. Yeah, I, I kind of hope West Brom can get the win there and really um, stuff Sunderland's season <laughs> down the toilet because I, I would like to see them sort of finally go down. Uh, so hopefully... Go down the toilet? Uh, oh, absolutely, at the stadium of shite. Um, <laughs> that was a stinker. Uh, uh, West, West Ham at home to Palace is a big game for Palace because um, West Ham obviously no easy beats and really pushing now for that top four spot with City stumbling. Um, and if Palace were to lose this one as well, it really becomes quite concerning for them. As you've mentioned, Cruyff, they do have Norwich next, which would become a massive six-pointer for them. Um, West Ham at home, should, you should be expecting them to get the job done, I would think. Yeah, I think at home, uh, particularly against Crystal Palace, West Ham have, have shown that they, they do have quality. And I mean, if you look at Payet especially, I mean, he'll be hard to contain and... and uh, West Ham will be high in confidence and Palace probably not so much. And, and being at Upton Park, it, it gives West Ham obviously the advantage. And I, I think they'd be winning that by, by at least two goals, I think. Yeah, I don't, I can't see um, Palace having too much of a chance in this game. You know, Pyatt's just been selected in the Euro squad for France, so he's up and about. Uh, they just. Uh, finalised the transfer of Manuel Lanzini for nine million, so confirming that so that was a loan previously. So and he's been a terrific signing, a, a real find for them. Um, and I'm pretty it's sure he's only that, 18 or 19 yeah, still. So and it's he's going to be a player. He was playing over in the United Arab Emirates. Well, I don't know if he actually ever played there, but he signed in the United Arab Emirates on a four-year deal. I think he's the youngest ever player to sign over there. So it was a really strange move for him considering he's come over to West Ham on a season-long loan and then signed on a permanent for them. Yeah, you don't, maybe you know, maybe they're doing it at Chelsea, yeah. um, this club in the UAE, and they're just buying all these this cheap Argentinian talent or whatever and then trying to loan it through England and then if one of them comes good, they make heaps of money. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I think that those two are certainly up and about and will be, you know, some of the core of them going, going forwards. And um, basically, until Palace start turning it, turning it around, I'm going to tip against them. So, yeah, I can see, I can see West Ham winning this 3-0. Enough. Yeah, I can see a pretty handy West Ham win in that one as well. Um, the late game on the Saturday is a pretty decent game from from what you read on the board. I don't know if you've been um, reading too much of it lately, Boyan, but Liverpool up against Spurs is almost becoming the highlight of the season. <laughs> um, um, Liverpool at home, and the last time these two sides played was a nil-nil draw in Klopp's first game. Uh, but Liverpool fans, I'm sure, would absolutely love knocking off uh, Spurs and really denting their title challenge. Um, 
Spurs themselves, so they've only they've lost one of their last ten games and they've won the other nine. So they're in absolutely cracking form, um, and so they're doing all that they can to really catch up to Leicester. So do we see uh, Spurs getting over the top of Liverpool here? I mean, Liverpool have a very good recent history against Spurs. Um, I'll start with you, Bayan. Well, this is a very interesting matchup for those that like the game from a tactical perspective because you've got the Gate and Press against uh, Pochettino's, you know, very high-pressing game, um, which is not called the Gate and Press. I don't know what Gate and Press is in Argentina. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I remember watching a game not too dissimilar to this where I think it was... Um, might have been Spurs it might have even been the Spurs Man United game at the start of the year and both teams set out high pressing and outside of one own goal it was pretty much fairly dire and I think this could go, could go the same way but um, I think I'll tip a 1-1 draw here never thought I'd say it but I bloody hope Spurs beat them <laughs> because I, I just I would love Liverpool fans to get trolled the shit out of after the way they carry on like absolute <laughs> morons and lunatics I would love for them to just be trolled relentlessly by guys like NFSB and Willstone Raider just putting them right back in their box <laughs> but ha- having said that all, bi- all bias aside um, at Anfield does give Liverpool a huge advantage and as you said uh, they do have a very good record against Spurs um, in, in recent history, so so uh, it, it, Liverpool, I would say, are the favourites, but the way the team has been playing, I don't see why Spurs can't get a result, in all honesty. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's just, it's a pity that we've got this international break over the Easter long weekend, because it would be the perfect set of fixtures to um, really sink your teeth into on a, on a Sunday night. Um, but I'll have to I'll have to find a way to... Oh, I guess it's the Saturday night, so it should still be okay. So I'll have to have a, have a watch of that one. Um, I do I do hope Spurs get up, um, but I can see Liverpool... I mean, Liverpool have had quite a decent record against the, high, the top clubs this season. They got the win over um, Leicester and they got the wins over Man City. So um, their mentality when they play the sides in the top four is quite good. So I could see them... Uh, getting getting a win in this one. They do have a good record against Spurs. Um, that, game's actually, that, that game's actually on my birthday, so it's not my, I don't get a present either way. Whoever it is. <laughs> so, I, I Maybe mean, a draw. It's, it, oh, last last well, one, a terrible penalty to Spurs. It probably will be after all this build-up on, on, on the board. It'll be a disappointing draw and be like, well, <laughs> no, no shit will be flung. Or it'll be, as Bayern, as you were saying, it'll be like that opening day of the season. There'll be a really dodgy, crappy goal and then absolutely nothing else for the rest of the game. Yeah, um, yeah. But, oh, I mean, it's a bit like the uh, Leicester game, I suppose, the Liverpool-Leicester game where they got the goal from Benteke and then besides that, it was a pretty drab game. Um, speaking of Leicester, they do have the early game on the Sunday night against Southampton. Um Southampton haven't been travelling too badly, but they've also sort of they've started conceding a few goals. I mean, they had the great win last time out against Liverpool that we didn't touch on, but um, Leicester they just they somehow seem to be winning all their games one nil and just kind of get, eking through these games, getting the goal, and then and then sitting back pretty comfortably and not conceding. So it's a danger game for Leicester because of the way Southampton are playing, but um, I could see them just carrying on winning. Um, Croyf. I, I agree. I, I don't see why Leicester, Leicester won't win. I mean, at home as well. 
another advantage to have the fans behind them. I think you've said several times on the board that the atmosphere at um, the King Power is, is the best in the league, and that's obviously going to help them um, get get over the line. I think, and and I I think it'll be two 0 to Leicester. I will qualify. They do have the best atmosphere in the league, but they use those bloody cardboard clappers to generate a lot of that noise. When I'm at the footy and there's a little six-year-old kid behind me smashing on the seat with a bloody cardboard clapper, it absolutely drives me insane. So I I, I do agree that they do definitely have... Yeah. (laughs) They do have the best atmosphere in the league, but uh, yeah, it'll be good if they can get to a point where they can um, sing and chant a lot of that rather than bang pieces of cardboard on, on seats. But, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be a very intimidating atmosphere for Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are your thoughts, Bayan? Oh, I think uh, Master Troll Ranieri will continue trolling Spurs with another 1-0. Preferably <laughs> I don't, preferably I don't do the troll. Uh, my players, they play for me. Yeah. <laughs> 80, 89th minute, really dodgy penalty to Vardy. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Top that Spurs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then the final game of the round, last but not least, we have United at home to Everton. Um, it's hard. It's hard to get a read on United at the moment in terms of how they'll perform. And Everton themselves. <laughs> well, you, you have your games. You'll sneak out that one nil sort of victory, and then you. No, no, no. Everton. You're right. You're absolutely right, mate. You're, yeah. And, you're absolutely um, right. That's what I'm Ever- laughing at. How embarrassing. <laughs> And Everton are another one, though, who are really up and down at the moment, um, conceding quite a few goals defensively, uh, quite poor. So, so yeah, I'll start with you, I guess, Croy. I think if United get their attacking movement right, they'll run Everton ragged, because I think, as, as we saw in the Arsenal game, Everton were shocking at the back, absolutely shocking. And, and if, if, if Marshall has, has time to move off the ball with, with Martha and, and whatnot, I'd can't see and Rashford too um, two, two particularly quick players there I think they'll run Everton ragged but on the other hand as well I think United need to be careful of Lukaku but I said the same for us and I don't know if he even played against us <laughs> um, Bohan what are your thoughts? Man I'm in the same boat as you really I don't, I don't know what United's going to turn up from week to week you know we forced ourselves into needing to win the derby after we lost to teams like Sunderland. So we we absolutely battered Everton 3 or 4-0 at um, Drizzen Park earlier in the year, but I could just as easily see us losing this game and, like, yeah, being being Everton, Everton travel but, well, um, I think that should our, be taken into account as well. Our games are usually fairly high scoring. United uh, Everton games. Maybe this is neither of us can defend at the moment. <laughs> Um, but I think they have got possibly the worst defence in the comp. Funes Mori is probably the worst defender in the comp. Oh, Even worse Michael, than your nah, Michael Mike Williams. In the world. Nah. No, no, he's terrible, mate. So I don't know. Mike, I think Mike, they're at the same level. I don't know. I reckon Williams <laughs> is the worst defender I've ever seen. <laughs> I think he's out on loan at, um, at Wolves yeah, yeah. now. Um, I, think, I think he signed for Wolves on loan, and the Wolves fans are really happy <laughs> to have him, and I just couldn't believe that they were excited to have him. <laughs> it's the first time he's heard his name being chanted. Um, <laughs> my bloody Wolves fans. But yeah, I can see United just sneaking this 2 1 but being fairly unconvincing. As I said, you know, Schweinsteiders out for 
the season. Tarek's played a lot of games recently, so there's going to be a lot of reliance on um, Schneidlin and, and the like to, to, to work hard. We might even see a youngster play with all that all that kind of build-up of games. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one to read. I think, I think United might sneak it at home, but then Everton... It's, it's going to be a very interesting game. I think it could really, it could honestly go any of the three ways because Everton could turn up and Lukaku crack, bang in form and just crack a few goals in, or um, United could eke out a win. So, very tough one to call. Um, any final thoughts, boys? Lukaku versus Blind is not is not the best matchup for us. That's sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, we don't talk about uh, transfers at all. Uh, you can touch on transfers if you want, yeah. Well, uh, Damasio is saying that um, Alvaro Morata is going... He's got a €30 million Euro buyback at Real Madrid. So they're going to buy him back. But they're banned from buying players, right? So they can't register him. So they're going to send him straight to Arsenal for €50 million, Euros, pocket that €20 million Euro margin. That's That'd be what nice. Damasio is saying. So Arsenal will finally have a high-quality forward for the first time. How reliable is Damasio? Um, Excuse me, Robin Van Persie. You don't get more reliable than him, mate. Robin Van Persie, he was a high-quality forward. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you didn't really... You only had him for like a year and a half at his best, and he came to United for two years of better football. Um, (laughs) The other one that he's been saying, supposedly, or this is kind of there is truth to part of this, uh, Hamas Rodriguez has definitely fallen out with Real Madrid, and he wants out. Wow. He's shitty with the damage. He's not playing. He's the, he's yeah, someone off the well, bench for 20 minutes of the game. Where does he go, the word though? Is, well, the word is Mendes was a sentence to United. <laughs> um, they want the full 80 million euros back for him. Personally, Jeez. I think he's overrated. I think he's overrated, and I think he's basically matter, but very slightly faster. What I don't is he, think 25? He's I think all, yeah. I think it all came together for him during that World Cup. He's got a couple of streamers. But he's not fast, and you know he doesn't kind of do a lot in in the um, big games. So I don't really want him, um, yeah, for that much. But then the other one is, uh, you know, they haven't offered Carrick a new contract, and Tony Cruz is available. And to be fair to Real Madrid and these kind of rumours, <laughs> what they're doing is not working. They need to they need to they need to change it somehow. Um, I was trying when to have, when, that. when have Madrid ever used logic? It, it's like Liverpool fans on big footy. They just don't <laughs> go together. They don't work. They're, they're not used in conjunction with each other. They cannot coexist in the Real same Ma- world. Real Madrid are a club that basically try to emulate FIFA in terms of how they sign. Exactly. Players. Exactly. <laughs> just, oh, one new toy this window, another new toy that window. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, and then, so then they had that panic where they think, oh, oh shit, we've spunk all this money on, on, on pricey forwards. Let's let's get in a few defenders. And, oh, it's all right. We'll just, we'll just buy another one. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's a few of those from Australia. And what, what I'm secretly very vindictful and happy about is that um, with the success of Marcus Rashford, a whole bunch of Man City's under-16s are refusing to sign new contracts so they don't think they're going to play in the first team. They don't think City will give them the opportunity 
so they can see all these other players in the under 18s and not getting opportunities. Which is interesting because I so thought it's, that it's their um... first professional contracts and they're not signing. And the same with the, the, the Portuguese kid at Chelsea. Um, I think it's Dominic uh, Twinner or something like that. Twinner with a Q. Um, he's stopped turning up the train. Because he doesn't think they don't have a chance at the first team, so he's refusing to sign a new deal and he's just not turning up at the club anymore. It's really interesting. They signed your first professional contract at such thing. With Man City, I would have thought the youngsters might be looking at Guardiola coming in and, and actually think that he'd be a yeah. good manager to have because he, he seems to be someone yeah, who definitely. brings you through. Well, yes, but you know they're going to need to be successful. Like Pep's going to need to. He's not. He's not really gone there. I don't think to build a youth system and that kind of stuff and transition players to the first team at the cost of results. I think he's gonna they're gonna go there and he's gonna buy five five plus players. I'd be highly surprised if he just went there and said, you know what, there's enough talent in the academy maybe we're just gonna roll with this. So yeah. I'll try and blend it I guess, but it'll be it will be interesting to see. Um Crof, did you have any final thoughts before we round it up? I just think the footballing world's lost a huge an influential figure in, in Johan Cruyff, and it's it's sad that um, uh, another legend has left us. And, and Bayern? Such shit, Man City. You mercenary, <laughs> 10-year-old piece of shit club. <laughs> the, jarring, the jarring difference in the final thoughts there. <laughs> <laughs> perfectly sums up um, perfectly sums up the podcast so thanks very much for coming on boys oh I Liverpool can only get stuffed <laughs> <laughs> no worries mate cheers have a nice... thank you for having us no problem and thanks everyone for listening in uh, we'll be back after the next set of games so that will be in just over a week's time so until then hopefully enjoy the week off enjoy a safe and happy Easter uh, and we'll see you on the forums